Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Which players do we keep drafting and which ones are we scared of? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. We are now just one week out from opening day. You guys hyped? Scott's hyped. I see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just had my home draft tonight. It did not go... Well, it did not go... I don't know why... I I underestimate the people in my home league every year. I'm like... Scott, I've got a song about that. Uh, yeah, you do. You do. We'll you de- do. We will debut that on tomorrow's podcast when Adam Azer is here because Adam is an alternative rock kind of guy. I feel guy, like Adam so will appreciate it. He that will one, appreciate yeah. it. But Scott, you would think that we're professionals, right? Like we've been talking about mm-hmm. fantasy baseball for the past, I don't know, four, five, six months, whatever it is. Well, really. I, I, wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even dare estimate how many mocks and or real drafts I've done up to this point, March 24th. Uh, so, I, you know, I feel like I have a major advantage over these people who I think some of them is probably their only fantasy baseball league. I would guess 25 you've probably done at yeah. least, you know, more. Because that's yeah. just mock drafts, I would think. There's a major sco- scoring quirk in this league. It's the league I played in for like 20 years. It's a 10-teamer, but there's a major scoring quirk, a points league. Um strikeouts for hitters are full minus one instead of minus half a point. And you wouldn't think that would have as big of an impact as it does, but it really shrinks the usable hitting pool, especially at a time when hitters don't really care how much they strike out. There are very few hitters that can deliver a near one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio anymore. And um, they all got pulled up, as they should have, but more dramatically than I expected. So I really... You know, I, I, Austin Meadows, I, I took in like round 10, but I was disappointed I didn't get Anthony Rizzo instead, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not sure. Med- unless Meadows is as good as he was two years ago, he might not be startable in this league. Oh, I mean, come on, Scott. You know the deal when it comes to Austin Meadows. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about Austin Meadows a little bit later on. Players we keep drafting, of course, players that scare us. We're going to run through each position. I did a 15-team salary cap draft right before we started. That's actually why we started a little bit later here tonight on YouTube. And I wound up with Trevor Bauer. Should you be scared of Trevor Bauer? Let's hit these news and notes first before uh, we get into some of those players that we love. Just knock this out right at the top. The MLB is saying that they're going to crack down on pitchers using foreign substances. So good luck because, I mean, as we've read in articles, it's probably over 95% of pitchers that are using something. Uh, I mean, Chris, is there any impact to this? Like, are you actually scared to draft someone like Trevor Bauer, who you yourself have questioned using substances or even like someone like Garrett Cole, who kind of seems like no idea what you're talking about. Oh, all right. Well, does this worry you at all? This (laughs) idea that the the MLB is going to crack down on pitchers using stuff. No, no, I would imagine my guess, and obviously this is just a, a guess, but my guess is we're going to see like two or three token ejections early on in the season, maybe like a, a fine for a high-profile player, and then it'll be nothing. And I'm not going to say whether that means people will stop doing it, or, but I would expect that it's going to be pretty inconsistently um, adjudicated, and it's not going to make a significant impact. So, like... There are a handful of players who have seen, let's say, suspicious increases in their spin rates um, in a way that you typically don't expect. Um, 
without the use of foreign substances. Garrett Cole is one of them. Tyler Malley is one of them. Trevor Bauer is one of them. A handful of guys on the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, TJ Antone is one of them. <clears throat> if you want to downgrade them, fine. But my guess is there are more pitchers who are using who are using some sort of thing than are not. And we don't know for sure who is, and we don't know for sure who isn't. We don't know how much of an impact it makes, and blah 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 blah. So, and we, we don't even really know how they're gonna right pick out we those players. Like, it, is it because because I know they're they're tying it to Statcast? Is it are they talking about increases from last year? In case you know, Bowers <laughs> it, Bowers off free because he already was, made that jump last year. You know, it was very funny to see uh, Trevor Bowers' agent asking. Jeff Passan, whether uh, players who used before last year or this year will be grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah, it's um, quite ironic, that was the right? Term she used. Uh, look, I I have a hard time believing that they would take the two because I mean, really, the two high pro, the two most high profile people involved in this that that we talk about and know of are. Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, they're inextricably linked. They pitched together at UCLA. They apparently don't like each other. Trevor Bauer accused Garrett Cole of doing this. Trevor Bauer then apparently seemed to do the same thing. I have a hard time believing that Major League Baseball is going to take the guy who signed the largest contract in Major League history for a pitcher and the guy who signed the largest annual contract in Major League history for a pitcher and um, suspend them for any significant amount of time or do anything that would make it uh, so that they're not going to pitch at a high level. So I don't know. From like a moral and ethical standpoint, like they should all just let them all use it. It's good when pitchers have better grip. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't mean, wasn't there some talk in the off season that MLB was like developing its own substance yeah. for them to use, so that they would it would at least be uniform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I look. If anyone's going to let you get Trevor Bauer or Garrett Cole at a discount. Sure, take it. That's that would be my advice to you. How about let's talk about another player that I won tonight in my salary cap draft. It's all about me, apparently. White Sox vice president Ken Williams apparently has that indicated. That was a bad pick, man. What, Ken Williams? Ken, Ken Williams? Yeah, I took him on my team. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna. He's gonna do much. <laughs> it's a really let's unique. Say, set the over under at zero point five steals, and I'll take the under. It's a really unique format, Chris. I mean, let yeah. me tell you about it. The player I won was actually Andrew Vaughn, but. White Sox Vice President Ken Williams apparently has indicated to Bob Nightingale that Andrew Vaughn will not be kept down in the minors for service time reasons. He had this to say, we understand the service time issues that play here, but our feeling is that when you're ready to help the Major League Club, there's a spot for you. We're trying to put the best team out there. We have proven that over and over again. Scott, I don't know if this changes anything, but would you like to react? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of confirms what people throughout the organization have been saying all along. Uh, of course, there's no way Ken Williams would say, we are going to send him down for service time reasons. That's not something he would be allowed to say. But, you know, he's had a great spring. Vaughn has. Tony LaRusso's raved about him at every opportunity. He really likes the quality of his at-bats, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to me, it's immaterial at this point. Like... You know, you'd rather get the two extra weeks from Vaughn, of course. Uh, but two weeks is just a drop in the bucket in the course of a baseball season. And, you know, if you have to wait two weeks longer for contributions from Vaughn, that that two-week difference doesn't make... It doesn't change where I'm drafting him, you know? Mm-hmm. it's it, It'd be the same point whether I knew he was going to be up for the first two weeks or not. Let's stick with the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez left with a shoulder injury on Wednesday during a spring game that he apparently was trying to rob a home run. And um, Scott, I think you were you were researching this from some kind of doctor talking about it. What'd you find? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, Doctor Doctor Jesse Morse. That's his Twitter handle. Uh, he. Oh, I've seen him on Twitter. Yeah, he, he does a lot of stuff yeah. for fantasy football too. Yep. Right. He 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 brands himself one of the fantasy doctors and um, he was he was suggesting that what he sees in the video from from uh, Eloy Jimenez reaching over the fence and kind of hanging by his arm and then the way his shoulder responds Dr. Jesse Morse was speculating that um, he dislocated his shoulder and and tore his labrum which would obviously be bad bad news very yeah. bad <laughs> 
Uh, I don't think it would be a season ender, but it would it would he would miss significant time, and there would be some questions about how he performed when he returned. Um, you know, at least it's his left arm; it's better than his right, but still, it's not good. It, you know, that's that's going on the interpretation of Dr. Jesse Morse from a camera angle that isn't particularly close. And, and you know, it's it's obviously not definitive, but I feel like it's a, a be, it's, it's better speculation than I can offer myself. So um, let's wait and see. But I would be very cautious in my approach to Oloy Jimenez until we hear something more definitive, because right now they're just the team's just calling it shoulder soreness. So. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's a big difference between that and a torn labrum. Yeah, and I hope we know more by the weekend because it's obviously a very big weekend for drafts, you know, the weekend before opening day. So hopefully we find out more on Eloy Jimenez. He went for $26 in this 15-team salary cap draft that I did on Wednesday night. So, yeah, that's still, that's still a good amount of money. Um, too yeah. much. Yeah, quite a bit there. Nick Anderson, reliever for the Tampa Bay Rays, has elbow tightness. So, I mean, they're still probably going to mix and match, but this might mean more goes to Diego Castillo. We know Diego Castillo is a really talented reliever. So, um, Chris, do you think like are you going to be making any adjustments to rankings as a result of this Nick Anderson injury? I'll move Nick Anderson down, but does it give you more optimism in Diego Castillo? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, it's not necessarily a guarantee that he's going to be the guy. This is a team that, what was the number? They had eight different people have a save last season? Twelve. Twelve different people have a save last season. <laughs> 60 game season. Sorry, I think the Cubs had eight last year. So I think there was a stretch where they had five saves by different guys, like in a row. Five, a stretch of five saves from completely different guys. That sounds yeah, about right. So I, I would be surprised if they just went, all right, now it's Diego Castillo. He's the closer. Right. There's no question about it. We're going to use him every day. Um, but, you know, that's one fewer person. So you figure maybe they get 25 saves and, uh, you know, or 45 saves over the course of the season. Maybe Anderson's limited for a month and Castillo gets two extra saves. I don't know. It, it's it's possible there's a big impact, but I don't think you can count on anyone being the closer for the Rays. Dalton Varsho, catcher slash outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, has been optioned to their alternate training site. So I assume that means Carson Kelly will continue to get the bulk of starts at catcher. They do have Stephen Vogt as the backup there. It's quite old. Uh, but it, it seems like their <laughs> starting outfield will be David Peralta, Cattell Marte, and I guess Tim LaCastro. Roster resource has Pavin Smith in there, but... Oh, Pavin Smith's in the in the running. Tim, yeah, he's Tim LaCastro. Is he playing? I think he's dealing with something, right? I saw his name recently. I think he had COVID. He had COVID. I know he came back from that. Okay. He's, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how he's been performing, or yeah. but I, I think he has been playing. If they if they have Cattell Marte in center field, I'd be kind of surprised that they for them to put LaCastro in the lineup. But you know, it's um. Say this about him: he'll get on base and he'll steal bases. Uh, he, he's got a decent walk rate, but in particular, this is, this is a man after my own heart. He gets hit by pitches all the time. <laughs> he just loves getting hit by a pitch. He had four and 82 plate appearances last year, 22 in 250 the year before. So, uh, limited sample size, but 365 on base, 256 batting average and 26 stolen bases without a caught stealing so far. Um, if he is playing regularly, he could be a useful roto option. It's kind of a mile straw situation all over again. Yep. Except, you know, a little more competition for the playing time there with LaCastro. Yep. Um, a couple things. Not a good sign that Dalton Varsha couldn't win a job with Cole, Cole Calhoun out. Obviously, you know, there's a chance he figures some things out in the minors and comes roaring back later in the year. But I'm not... I'm not particularly inclined to stash him unless it's a very deep league or a two-catcher league. Two, uh, good news for Josh Rojas, right? Sounds yep. like second base job is his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> Josh Rojas has been awesome in the spring, and we spoke about him the other day as one of Chris's favorite deep sleepers. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely helps his playing time as well. Uh, Harrison, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I just want to point out Tim LaCastro in his minor league career, 5.9% walk rate, which is pretty bad. 6.3% hit by pitch rate. 
<laughs> I never knew you that you looked at you, hit by pitches. Love as, to as, see that. Like, oh yeah, I'm a big Derek Dietrich fan. Oh, hit, hit by pitches is like just as good as a walk, except except sometimes you get hurt. Who yeah. was that guy for the Rays a few years ago? I remember you liked him for the same uh, reason. Um, Right-handed batter. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was, but yeah, I remember who he, he played for that. the Cubs too. I can't remember. I, yeah, was he on Cleveland as well at one point? Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find him. Yeah, no, right. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I love a guy who gets hit by a pitch, Har- willing to do anything to get on base. <laughs> Harrison Bader, outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, will miss four weeks at a minimum. So it seems like Lane Thomas. Austin Dean or a gentleman named Justin Williams is going to get the opportunity to start in right field for the St. Louis Cardinals. Steven Brault, who was supposed to be the opening day starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, has been shut down at least a month with a lat train. Tyler Anderson looks like he's going to be their opening day starter. Good luck, Pirates fans. And But if you play in an NL-only league, sure, Tyler Anderson. Kyler, uh, Kyle Wright was optioned. Scott, any optimism for Bryce Wilson? Not really. He's not a big strikeout guy. doesn't have a very diverse arsenal. I don't think he's a particularly good ground ball guy. could be wrong about that, but I don't think he is. Um, throw strikes. Yeah, I, I mean, he, to me, he profiles as a back-end guy, and I doubt he'll have a spot for long because Mike Soroka is well into his recovery. By the way, I looked it up. The, Brandon the, Geyer. Brandon Geyer. Yeah, the people in the yeah. comments section beat yeah. me to it. Yeah, he had a... two. 2015, Brandon Geyer hit by pitch 24 times, 2016, 31 times. Yeah, but only a 5.7% hit by pitch rate. So uh, our, our guy, Tim LaCastro, still the still the reigning champion. Brent, Derek Dietrich was 4.9%. So, Wow, the YouTube chat is crushing it. They, Way they to go. Right we, got some, we got some real baseball nerds here, and I love it. That is great, man. <laughs> Getting some Brandon Geyer love. Did not expect that today. Uh, last thing I'll mention... Unfortunately, my guy TJ Antone will open the season in the bullpen for the Reds. I think it makes sense. He's dealing with an injury, uh, so he hasn't really had the opportunity to get stretched out. So love it, love it for love his value. I mean, I still think he could be valuable. If people Chris. are, if people are going to move him down draft yeah. boards, like he's going to be in the rotation at some point. If he's not, he's going to pitch multiple innings at a time. There's going to be I a agree. Ton of strikeouts. Yep. Um, this is a kind of pitcher who I'm drafting a lot of, and I have a decent amount of TJ Antone. Alex Reyes is another guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Gonsolin and then Dustin May. Um, Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta, yeah. Ooh. Guys who Freddie can Peralta, be in the rotation or guys who can throw two to three innings at a time and get five or six strikeouts. Like I think this year, if you can get you know, three of those guys on your team and they throw 100 innings with really good ratios, that's going to be really, really valuable as someone to either just start every week or you know, slot in when you don't like your matchups. At least in a categories league. They're, they'd probably be worthless in a points league, but in a categories yeah. league. You know, yeah, unless they're starting. For a bad starter, starting pitcher clout. They may um, be sparts. Yeah, but even so, unless they're getting wins But that's what I mean, when they when they get the chance to start. Yeah. Okay. I, I think Freddie Peralta, though, like TJ Anton's been getting hyped in the fantasy community for like months and Whatever. Everybody really likes him for some. I think Freddie Peralta is going to be more what they want Anton to be. I think he's going to be in the rotation sooner and maybe stay in longer and be. Uh, I think that makes sense. Why can't they just both be big awesome? Big strikeout Scott? source. Why can't they just both be awesome? Well, they could be. I, I just, <laughs> I think Peralta should be getting the hype that Anton's been getting. Is is what I'm saying. It's like, uh, what is it? A gif or a meme? Why not both? Yeah, get both of them. TJ Antone and Freddie Peralta. Quickly promote a few things before we get to the players we keep drafting and players that scare us. Uh, But you have drafts this weekend, of course. Just a reminder that you can download our Fantasy Baseball Today draft prep guide for free over on the website. The link for that is cbssports.com slash fbbdraftkit. It has all of our rankings in there uh, for head-to-head points, roto. There are salary cap values there's uh, a tracker for your draft if you want to, you know, just mark down everyone that's on your team uh, throughout points. There's different kind of strategies and tiers. There's everything basically that you need to dominate your draft, and it's for free. So why not get it? It's cbssports.com/fbbdraftkit. And the moment you've all been waiting for, the announcement. Right? I probably should have led with this, but whatever. Missed opportunity. Uh, Listener league winners. I've I've conjured everything up. I got it. Ooh. 
And this is what we are going to be doing. I think that I, yep, I did this backwards. But for the 16 team for the people head-to-head categories draft this Sunday, which will be held at 6 p.m. Eastern time, the winners, of course, joining Frank, me, Scott, and Chris. I made it. That's right. You did. Mark Clements. Woo! Steven Lip. Mel Sanchez. Brian Mayer. Antoine Malone Jr., Matt Angelo, John Meyer, Eric Hall, Corey Barite. Hope I got that Barite. Uh, Jason Redford, Christopher Ruohonen, Charles Barr, and Paul McGowan. If I just called your name, you are in the 16 team for the People Headset Categories League. No, Heath Cummings. Hooray. Heath Cummings isn't in it anymore. I asked him if he wanted to be. He said, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm done." He doesn't. He doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. He missed the sub- submission deadline. He's out. Let's let's change all his garbage rules then. <laughs> we certainly can. Or maybe we should leave it up to. We leave it. It's the Heath Cummings Memorial Garbage <laughs> Rules League. That's the new rule. That's, that's, new that's the new name. I'm down with that. <laughs> uh, for the 12-team head-to-head points listener league that we will be doing, that will be that draft will take place the next night, this upcoming Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Adam and myself are actually going to be sharing a team, so that should be a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure it's just going to be him saying, draft whoever you want, Frank, but we'll make sure that we get James Paxson. <laughs> um, Scott and Chris, you guys both made it again. Congrats. Sean Millerick made it for making this awesome piece of work. You're <laughs> Joel, Joel Massey, Jake Goodoo, Goodoo. Still makes me laugh. Sean Wempy, Wemp, Jason Kring. I'm sorry if I'm messing up your names. <laughs> Brian Fink, Tyler Wilhite, Will Hitty, Wilhite. We'll go with Wilhite. Uh, Gabriel Molina, who is actually leading our bracket challenge right now, and I realize it's kind of weird because the, the March Madness bracket is not over right now. But we've got to go with who's in first place right now. Whoever actually wins the bracket, you're the one who's going to get the $100 Paramount Plus gift card. So we're definitely going to follow through on that. But Gabriel Molina, you are leading right now. You are in the 12 team points league. And last but not least, Aaron Holcomb. The submissions for this were awesome. Once again, last year we had the songs, the creativity, the thoughtfulness, uh, and people who didn't send in Photoshop things. I mean, there was a few people that sent in like poems and and song lyrics and just like awesome reasons why you should be part of the league. Some of the people who made it into this league are uh, servicemen and workers. I chose someone that was in the army. Uh, there's another teacher in here. So all different kinds of people. We're looking forward to playing with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, those drafts are coming this weekend and congratulations to everybody who is going to be a part of it. All right, the players that we keep drafting and the players that we are scared of, what we're going to do is go position by position. And guys, we need to be brief. <laughs> rapid fire. I say this all the time and it never actually works. So maybe today's the day. Scott, why don't you get us started with the catcher that you keep drafting? Ah, well, see, I thought I was going to be ahead of the curve here since I just wrote the article, the players I keep drafting, yeah. but I didn't include a catcher in it. So, um, <laughs> this was actually very I, hard for me to do. I will admit it's like, I'm trying to look through all my teams and I'm like, I don't even know who do I keep drafting? Yeah, I'm sure the catchers I'm most invested in are like Francisco Mejia and Dom Nunez, but you have to play in a pretty deep league for for them to be of relevance. So I'm going to say it's probably Mitch Garver for, for the majority of the audience because he's he's basically free in a one-catcher league, and there's good reports out of spring training. The numbers aren't good. He hasn't played that much. Uh, but it sounds like the Twins are pretty confident he has a swing back after an injury-plagued year, and he was far and away far and away the best catcher on a per game basis in in 2019 so i'll take a shot on the upside especially in a one catcher league where if it doesn't work out there you know there are going to be options on the waiver wire to fall back on chris the catcher you keep drafting i was trying to do some quick research but i guess i'll uh i I mean i I have i have been keeping track of my most drafted players i just don't have a catcher in that list yet so I can go if, um, if you want to keep I, researching. If you, yeah, I, I could, I could use. <laughs> well, actually, the player that I keep drafting most at catcher is actually the the pit the catcher that scares me most, and and it's Gary Sanchez. So I'm just gonna mm. include those together. I think that his upside is massive. I also think his floor is terrible, and I understand why people are scared of Gary Sanchez. Chances are you're probably someone who has had him in the past and you've been burned by him and 
you know, he has few seasons here hitting around or under 200. I get that, but I still think his upside is, I don't think he's ever going to have a great batting average, but can he hit 240, 250 with 30 plus home runs in that Yankees lineup? Sure, I think so. Uh, I will also point out that since I was hyping him up earlier in the spring, when he hit a bunch of long home runs, he has not been as great since, and he's still striking out a lot. So there is a, a ton of risk. I get that, but Sanchez is going later than he's ever gone before. ADP is right around 150. At that point, I'm, I'm just trying to find a catcher who has upside, and Gary Sanchez is that guy. So he is both the, the, the catcher I'm drafting most and the one that I'm scared of most as well. Chris, was that enough time for you? I need like 12 more seconds. Um, Scott, your 10-second thought on Gary Sanchez. Yeah, it's similar to it's similar to Garver. Just Garver goes even later. True. Sanchez, I think Sanchez, I think is has a higher floor. I'd be surprised if you dropped Sanchez this year. Uh, so you know, in some ways, you could say he's a better pick. But I'd rather just wait and draft Garver. All right, Chris, that was more than twelve seconds, so you should be good to go. Yeah, it's probably Buster Posey. It would have been Will Smith, and it actually may be Will Smith, but. Um, Given the news recently, I'll, I'll just try to make it Buster Posey instead. Um, and it mostly just comes down to, I think he's a good bounce back bet. I think, uh, you know, he was really hampered by a hip injury in 2018 and 2019. He had surgery after 2019, uh, sat out the 2020 season. I think if he can just get back to hitting 280 with 10 home runs, which is what he was doing before that. Um, and really, that was just before 2019. Uh, I think he's going to be a must-start catcher. Yeah, and I don't want him as my catcher in a head-to-head points league or just a league where you start only one catcher. But in a two-catcher league, you know, you're going to go pretty deep into the player pool. All you need is a catcher that doesn't hurt you. And I think Buster Posey can be that. So I actually don't mind getting him as my second catcher in those two-catcher leagues. Chris, we'll go right back to you, the first baseman that you keep drafting. Yeah, the first baseman I have drafted the most is... Eric Cosmer. Um, I've drafted him four times out of 15 leagues so far. I have three more drafts left, and maybe someone else can can top him, but that's the guy I've drafted the most. I am a little bit concerned because so far in the spring, he has not been hitting the ball in the air. Uh, last spring, he was right around like one ground ball for every fly ball so far. Uh, this spring, it's about three ground balls per fly ball, which is where he was pre-2020. So that definitely makes me nervous because, you know, we were dealing with a small sample size with his improvement in 2020. And, you know, he made conscious decisions to do that. So it wasn't like uh, it was just a, a fluke. He didn't quite sustain it all season, but he was consistently above uh, where he was in previous years. He hasn't been that so far, but... Even if he's not that, I think he's probably going to hit 270 and drive in a ton of runs in that lineup. Chris, did we just become best friends? Is Eric Hosmer also your guy? Eric Hosmer is the first baseman that I've drafted the most. And I do play in a lot of 15-team leagues over on the NFBC, and those are Roto. And I don't mind waiting and grabbing someone like Josh Bell a little bit later or Eric Hosmer or even Reese Hoskins as a fullback option in a league that deep. And uh, in Tout Wars... The other day, that was a 12-team head-to-head point salary cap draft. I think I got him for 6 or $7, and he's not exciting. I understand that, but his his lineup context alone is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to hit in the middle of one of the best lineups in all of baseball. And, you know, as the season went on last year, the final month of the season from, I think it was, well, from August 1st on, so it was really the first couple of games, uh, from August 1st on, he had a 50% ground ball rate. But I will point out that in four in the four seasons prior, that's been 55% or more. Right, that's a thing. If yeah. if it's 50%, that's I think great. he's going to be he's going to be a 25 homer guy who hits 275 at least. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, I'm with you there. Like he's boring. I get that. There I I've really been kind of just spreading out who I've been drafting at first base. I've yeah. been getting a lot of Josh Bell as well. Uh but yeah, Eric Hosmer is the guy for me. Scott, the first baseman you draft most? Well, I don't think I've even thought about drafting Hosmer this year. Oh, so wow. Oh. I, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. But uh, I, I think the first base I is, people probably associate me with the most, and I associate myself with the most, is Matt Olson. But it must be a b- bunch of mocks where I took him because I don't actually I have Josh him. Bell. I was thinking it was Josh Bell. Um, 
Well, I, I am invested in Luke Voigt in a few leagues, so I think it was a situation where Luke Voigt is still there in round six for some reason. Why pass up Voigt in round six to take Olsen in round seven? That's kind of been the thought process there. Um, I'm going to say Andrew Vaughn is probably the one I'm most invested in because there are some leagues where I'm counting on him as my actual first baseman, and there's some leagues where he's like a corner infielder or even a bench bat. Getting a lot of Vaughn. Yeah, I've been getting him too. Just got him tonight again. And I have a few deeper leagues where I wind up with him as my corner. And I know you've made the comp before, Scott, of Pete Alonso. I don't, I don't, no one's saying that Andrew Vaughn's going to go out and hit 50 home runs, but can he have a significant fantasy impact in his first season? Yeah, I, I do think that's possible. Scott, we'll go right back to you. The first baseman that scares you most. Oh, did we do that at catcher? I don't think we did that at catcher. All of them, all of them. Did we do that? Oh yeah, I think I only spoke about my Gary Sanchez. Yeah, double down. Give me your, give me the catcher and first baseman you're scared of. Um. Okay, so the first baseman I am scared of the most is, um, I'm going to say that it's kind of Cody Bellinger. I think. I think, that's, I think that's the obvious answer. Yeah. 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 For the cost, I mean, obviously, if he's if he's there, and well, if he's there in round three, I might hesitate, depending who else is there. If he somehow makes it to round four, then obviously you take Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. but that's never going to happen. Uh, the catcher I'm scared of the most is, I guess, Gary Sanchez, but I'm not really that scared because you're not. It's not a huge investment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, nobody's that. They're all kind of the same level of scary in a way. Yeah. Uh, maybe Will Smith, I guess. Like, I, it seems like his value slipping based on the reports. He's only going to start 90 games, which I think it'll be closer to 110. But the point is, it, there is going to be a playing time concern there that his ADP hasn't, you know, or the overall ADP hasn't accounted for. Chris, the first baseman and catcher, since I somehow skipped you for that one as well, that you are scared of most. I, I think at catcher, it, it, like Scott said, I think it's kind of all of them. Like, except for JT Romuto, I think things can go very wrong for any of them. I think that they all have a relatively low floor. Um, just give me a name so. that you see in the draft room and you just skip Gary over. Sanchez. Okay. I mean, Salvador Perez is another one who I've just had no interest in drafting this year. Because um, the price is up. Yeah, but like he's probably going to hit 25 homers. You know, there's only so little uh, Salvador Perez can do. Uh, the first baseman I'm most worried about, it's Cody Bellinger. It has to be, I think, given the the shoulder, given the fact that we haven't seen him play much in the spring. We're not 100% sure how ready he is. Shoulder injuries can have a lingering effect. So um, if he was healthy, I think I'd feel pretty good about him. But right now, I, I have some skepticism. I am with you guys 100% on Cody Bellinger, worried about him, and I, you know, I've I've been that way. I don't have a single share of him, so I think I've done, I don't know, 15, 20 drafts. I don't have any Cody Bellinger at this point. The only other name I will point out is Luke Voigt for just the possibility of this plantar fasciitis foot injury um, just kind of like turning back up again because it kind of hampered him a little bit towards the end of last season and the postseason. There was talk of him in the offseason. He got a he got a platelet-rich plasma injection in his foot to, to treat this and um, he has orthotics in his cleats. So, I mean, it's enough of a deal where like he had to have special cleats made for him. So it's just something Orthotics that's in my are mind. great, man. Though I speak from personal <laughs> experience, life changing. I do. I, I can actually continue to walk around pain free after a, after a visit to the grocery store, which used to be an issue. Well, I hope it's the same for Luke Voigt and anyone else who has drafted him to this point. Scott at second base. Who do you find yourself drafting most? The second base. I have a lot of second basemen that I draft a lot. Um, but the one I draft the most of all. Uh, well, it, I know it's technically Brendan Rogers, but again, that's really deep and I'm in enough 15 team leagues that it's just easy to take him at the very end of it. So I don't know how helpful that is. Uh, he's not second base eligible yet. I was going to say Tommy Edmond. I want it to be Ty France. He's not there yet. I've, I've got a lot of Jorge Polanco. Like these are, I, I, I know it's a lot of low end guys, but I'm, I kind of end up with too many second basemen on my bench at the end of dra- every draft because there's some really late options that I like. And then, you know, earlier I'm just taking whoever whoever falls to me. So I don't think I'm especially invested in any one of the high-end options. That's I think that's the best answer you're going to get. Chris, the second baseman you find yourself drafting most? 
Catal Marte. It's an easy call for me. Um, I've drafted him in seven of my 15 leagues. Him and Byron Buxton are my most drafted players so far. And uh, yeah, I pick him on average 61st overall. His ADP is 84th. So I am very happy to reach on Catal Marte. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's got a pretty good chance to be the best player at the position. Yeah, I like Cattell Marte. I mean, the price is rising. He went for, I want to say it was like $22 or $23 in this 15-team salary cap draft that I did on Wednesday night. So the price is climbing. I think he's almost back to basically where he was being valued at last year. Um, maybe rightfully so. We'll see. But I do like Cattell Marte myself. Jeff McNeil is actually the one that I find myself drafting most. And I think regardless of format, he'll be able, he'll be a very solid contributor. He's one of those guys in the middle rounds of a roto or headset categories draft where he's going to help your batting average. And that's, you know, not necessarily the easiest thing to find. So maybe it's 20 home runs, going to be near the top of the, uh, the Mets lineup and... You know, I think the counting stats should be solid because that lineup is very good. And then in the points league, he just he makes a lot of contact. It's kind of like a DJ LeMahieu light. And I like the eligibility as well with Jeff McNeil. Scott, a second baseman that you are scared of. This might be the Kes- same answer for all of us. Oh, no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I got the first syllable out. Keston Hira. I have passed over in so many drafts when my rankings tell me I'm supposed to take him. I'm just like... It's too early to take that kind of risk. I, I know the upside is huge. The upside hasn't changed since this time a year ago when everybody was in on him. But he just the, the strikeout rate is awful. It's awful, and it's been terrible again this spring. And I just think there's too much downside. He was basically unusable last year, and I think there's a chance he is again. Um, so very... <sighs> That's for points leagues, though. No, either way, either way, I'd I'd rat like, I'd rather just wait and take Dylan Moore if I if I need a if right, I need right. a, no, that, that power that, speed combo no, I, and, I mean and I'm taking unusable. a risk anyway. No, I mean the unusable comment. Yeah, no, uh, no, he was he won't be unusable in a, in a had, roto league. Yeah, he had 13 homers and 32 RBI and three steals. Like you wish the steals were higher, but they were the year before. I, I don't think okay. that was that's more home runs than I thought he hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 212 batting, like that's still pretty good. Yeah, no, he wasn't good. Life. Yeah. Yeah. But like Dylan Moore hit 206 in 2019, you know, much larger sample size. Sure. But mm-hmm. the cost is way different. Yep. Kesson Hira did hit a pair of ding dongs off of Walker Bueller on Tuesday. So that was nice to see him uh, get going there. But 13 strikeouts and 34 at bats in the spring. Strikeouts continue to be a big issue for Kesson Hira. I'm scared of him quite a bit myself. Kevin Biggio is the other one that I think we're all kind of worried about, and he's dealing with a pinky injury, which might actually be a fracture. So we'll have to pay attention to what's going on with Kevin Biggio. Chris, do you have another answer outside of Biggio, or, or was he the one that you're scared of as well? Yeah, I think the thing with Biggio is he's probably going to steal enough bases that he'll still be useful. I'm, I think given the price, I'm probably more concerned about Brandon Lau. Because um, if he doesn't hit, and we've really only seen him hit. I think he has three months in the majors with an OPS over 900. He's got a, a handful with an OPS around 800. But, you know, where we're taking him, um, you know, it's kind of betting that he's going to be, you know, a lot closer to what he was last season. And as we know with um, with the Rays, they're willing to stick a guy in a platoon if he's not producing the way they need him to. So I think there's ways that it can go wrong for Brandon Lowe. Players were scared of again at second base. That was Kesson here for Scott, Brandon Lau for Chris, and Kevin Biggio for myself at shortstop. Chris, who is the shortstop you keep drafting? Adalberto Mondesi. I have six shares of Adalberto Mondesi. One of them is even in a head-to-head points league because (laughs) if you look what he's done between 2018 and 2019, it's like 161 games and he's right around 500 fantasy points. That'll play uh, even at shortstop. So, um, in Roto, it's, it's just really easy. Like he, if he's there in the se- in the middle half of the second round, I'm probably going to take him. It just, it's so nice not to have to worry about stolen bases, uh, after that. I know there's risk if he gets hurt, but if he stays healthy, you're not going to finish lower than half in stolen bases, no matter what else your team looks like. Mm-hmm. Go big or go home. Chris is drafting Adalberto Mondesi and Byron Buxton on the same team. As we've Mm -hmm. said, he's either going to be in first place by July 
or he's going to be doing really good in his fantasy football prep. Scott, the shortstop that you keep drafting. It's Corey Seager. I, he's my ideal choice in round three, but it's to the point where if it's late in round two and all the starting pitchers I want are gone, I'll reach into round two to take him. I think if you're looking at like best pure hitters in baseball, it's it's a foursome right now. It's Mike Trout, it's Juan Soto, it's Freddie Freeman, and, I, and it's Corey Seager. If you look at their expected stats last year for those four, very comparable. Corey Seager was arguably the best hitter in the postseason. He's been arguably the best hitter this spring, and he might be the best hitter in the world uh, when we look back on 2021. For me, it's Tim Anderson. There, Look, if Tim Anderson has a bad season, that is maybe the player that I have the most riding on this year. Uh, if he's awesome, I'm going to have a pretty good season. If not, <laughs> better luck next year because uh, I do have a lot of him. But I think you know where he goes specifically in roto or head-to-head categories, someone that can contribute both batting average and a good amount of steals. You know, We think that he has the talent to steal maybe 30-plus. We wouldn't project that. He's probably going to get you 20, but could also give you 20 home runs. Going to lead off for one of the best lineups in the American League. And even in a points league, I know he does not walk, which is typically what we want to see in that format. I think he gets pushed down a little bit too far. He is going to get a lot of volume, a lot of plate appearances again, hitting at the top of that lineup. So Tim Anderson, someone I just continuously find myself drafting. Chris, the shortstop that you are scared of most. The shortstop I am scared of most is probably... I guess it's Bo Bichette, just based on ADP. Um, I don't think he's going to be bad, and picking a bust at shortstop when I've had to do that for various pieces has been incredibly difficult to do uh, because I don't think there's really anybody who's an actively bad value, but... uh, you know, people are drafting Bichette as a second round pick based on half of one season uh, total plate appearances. I just think that's we're we're falling into the trap of well, he's played two seasons, but it was like fifty and one and thirty in the other. Um, so it's still a small sample size. It's just too early for that. And he's a guy who doesn't have like amazing tools. He has good tools across the board that we're hoping combine to make a really good player. Um, but like the same was said of Dansby Swanson, and he's turned into an okay player, but you know, he doesn't have that one standout carrying tool. So I, I think something similar could happen to Bichette. Yep, Blue Jays are going to come for us again because we're talking down their players, but it's, it's Marcus Semien for me, and we just did our bust 3.0 yesterday, and Scott, you, have, you added him to the list recently, and I agree with you. I, I think he's still kind of overvalued going in that 130 to 150 range. Uh, he's had one massive season, and outside of that, I don't think that Marcus Simeon has done all that much. So uh, you can either use Simeon as the player you're scared of, Scott, or, or another shortstop that you're worried of, worried about. I was actually kind of thinking, I, I could have gone Simeon, but I was thinking Mondesi, actually, just the other side of the coin. I mean, I understand the allure of drafting him. Your stolen base needs are kind of met once you do that. Uh, but, you know, injury-prone, obviously wild fluctuations in his performance as a hitter. You don't really know what you're getting there. And round three always seems too early for me to take him. And and he never lasts beyond there in a, in a five by five league. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return third base is up next here, fantasy baseball today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. 
The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Scott, why don't you get us started here at third base with the player that you were drafting most at the position? It's Cabrian Hayes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness it's Cabrian Hayes. It might be Alex Bregman, actually. It might be Alex Bregman. Bregman's kind of my ideal fourth-round pick, and I have a lot of a lot of him. I still think he has at least second-round upside. Um, but Cabrian Hayes I, was my player I love on Valentine's Day. And sometimes when I make that pitch that early in draft prep season, I kind of price the player out of my range and don't end up with that much of him. But... Uh, I've been happy to climb, uh, climb up a couple rounds with everybody else to 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 secure Hayes because I feel like I feel like the bad scenario for Hayes, obviously not the worst case, but kind of the bad maybe default scenario for Hayes is Gio Urshela with some speed, and I think his ADP certainly um, certainly gives him that. And then if if it turns out he's more of a 30-homer guy than a 20-homer guy, he showed some signs of being uh, last year and, you know, a lot of high exit velocity readings this spring too, uh, then, you know, he could be a total stud. So Hayes is is the one I draft the most. Scott, did we just become best friends? I don't know. (laughs) Did we? I find myself drafting a lot of Cabrian Hayes recently as well. And I... I think I'm someone that just reacts too much to spring training, which is definitely a fault as a fantasy <laughs> player. But I mean, gosh, how can you ignore what he's doing, right? Like after what he did last year, he is now 18 for 40 in the spring, six doubles, two triples, a home run, eight RBI, two steals. He's batting 450. I've made this comp before. I think the high end, the high end projection for Cabrian Hayes this season is something like what Anthony Rendon did in his second year where across 153 games, he hit 287, 21 home runs, 111 run score. That's definitely optimistic in the Pirates lineup, and 17 steals. It's high end, but I think a Brian Hayes might be that type of player, so I'm pretty excited. Man, I forgot about Rizzo had a 17-steal season. Did I say, it's crazy. Did I say Rizzo Rendo. or Rendo? No, Rendo. Yeah, it's Rendo. Oh, you said Rizzo. Okay. Chris, the third baseman you draft most, I have a feeling it's not Cabrian Hayes. No, no. So I don't have anything against him. Uh, he's had a really good 24 games, plus a spring. Um, uh, Manny Machado slash Rafael Devers. I have them both in four out of my 15 leagues. And so it's basically, if Manny Machado is there in the third round, I will take him. If Rafael Devers is there in the fifth round, I will take him. Both of them have to slip. It happens sometimes. My average pick on Manny Machado is 28. Uh, my average pick on Devers is 41. So... um. I think they're both going to be phenomenal. I think they're both, you know, borderline first round caliber hitters. And uh, if I take Shane Bieber, Derek, Jacob DeGrom, or Garrett Cole in the first round, I'm I'm glad to end up with one of those two as my one of my first three hitters. Scott, the third baseman you're scared of most? Um, oh, and Jose Ramirez. Base- I also have four. So just I'm going to have one of those three on my team, I guess. Nice. You know, I added Nolan Arenado to my bus, but the one I'm actually scared of the most, and I know Chris doesn't like this, and I don't know that I have rational reasons for it, but I just, I'm treating, maybe I have confirmation bias over Chris Bryant's 2020, because I already saw him as a player in decline in a way the numbers hadn't reflected yet, and so then he drops off last year, and there it is, it's happening. I just, I haven't had any interest in drafting Chris Bryant at all this year. Same Z's. Chris, uh, Chris, the third baseman? Um, That's probably Arenado. Maybe, like, I, I haven't drafted LeMahieu at all, but I'm not really worried about him, so it's probably Arenado. Let's move over to the outfield, and we'll go right back to you here, Chris. Which outfielder do you find yourself drafting, whether it's early or middle rounds? Who you got? You know who it is. It's Byron Buxton. I have him right. on seven of my 15 teams so far. I've got three more drafts. I, I think there's a decent chance I end up with him in 10 of my 18 total. Um, the funny thing is, my average Byron Buxton pick is 120.3, and his ADP is 113.4. So as much as I like Byron Buxton, I've only taken him ahead of his ADP one time out of the seven times I've drafted him. Um, 
So just keep letting him fall, folks, because I am glad I will be there when Byron Buxton falls after running into the outfield wall or one of his teammates or biting into a stake. Uh, I will catch him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just like a guy with legitimate 30-20 potential all day after pick 100. Chris, I'm, I'm sure you didn't listen to the mailbag that Scott and I did alone, but I actually started it with the reason you weren't there was because you you cracked your tooth eating steak. Look, man, that's it, not with <laughs> steak, but that happened to me once. It's not fun. I had to get a root canal. Root canals are the worst. Uh, so, you know, I can I can also empathize with Byron Buxton. Fair yeah. enough. Scott, the outfielder, you keep drafting. It's actually Will Myers, who I don't feel like we've talked about much. But when I was initially ranking, making out my rankings in October, I, I looked at Will Myers. I looked at Teoscar Hernandez and I said, OK, there are a lot more reasons to believe in what Will Myers did than what Teoscar Hernandez did. So I put Will My- Myers ahead of Teoscar Hernandez. Little did I know Myers was going to go 40 picks after Hernandez on average. And I just, I don't understand it at all because there's a better track record. He actually made improvements with his plate discipline in the short season. Who knows if they'll last, but at least they were there, unlike Hernandez. And he has a, a better track record as a base stealer. Uh, previous four years, 21 steals per 155 games for Will Myers. So, like, I, if he sustains last year's games, he could be like a 35-15 guy, maybe even more steals than that. And I just, I always love getting him as, like, I don't know, an 11th round outfielder in a Roto League. It's just, to me, that's easy money. Yeah, and he was such easy profit last year. I remember he was going probably outside the top definitely outside the top 250, maybe outside the top 300. And it's crazy how much, you know, this is me speaking out against Trent Grisham, but how much Trent Grisham has risen, whereas Will Myers, who is more of a proven player, has not risen as much. So it's just kind of interesting to, to compare the rise for both of those guys. For me, it's Austin Meadows. I've talked about him, you know, basically all offseason. I'm giving him a pass for last year. Dealt with COVID right before the season started. Got a late start. I think he came back two weeks in, and then he strained his oblique, and it, it was really just a mess of a season for him. I'm not completely sure that he gets back to the top 15 outfielder that he was back in 2019, but I think 25-plus home runs, double-digit steals in a pesky raise lineup is the term that I'll use. I think that's definitely possible for Austin Meadows. I really like his price tag this year. Scott, the outfielder that you are scared of most. Yeah, that's a good question. I probably should have been thinking about it. You know, it's probably the other side of the coin, Teoscar Hernandez, who I've, you know, I've talked about how he's the bust I'm most confident in, and I kind of laid out the case for him when describing Will Myers. So let's go with Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, whenever I see the name, I don't really have a good reason to believe that this guy is done outside of just he's getting older and was not good in September. But Charlie Blackman, it's just... It doesn't seem exciting. Nolan Arenado is not on the team anymore, so the lineup context is clearly lessened. That's going to bring the counting stats down for Charlie Blackman. Maybe he still hits 280 and you know 25-ish home runs, and that would be a fine season for him, but uh, that September was really bad. I, I kind of just think he's on the, de- the, the decline. I'm not very excited about Charlie Blackman. Chris, the outfielder you're scared of most? Yeah, unless they like dig a tunnel about 5,000 feet down and move the stadium. I'm happy to take Charlie Blackman in like the, I've gotten him in like the eighth or ninth round. Sure. Uh, He falls way too much. Um, I think he went in the 11th round of my main event draft over the weekend. That's a 15 team. Yeah. Like that's just, I was going to take him that round. If he fell to me, I was all the way. I think I had picked 14 in the 11th round. I would have taken him, but he didn't, he didn't make it. He's never hit 280. Yeah. Except for 102 plate appearances in 2011. He's been higher than 280 every single season. So I just, like, I don't care if he's not good anymore. He plays at Coors Field. Um, Sure. Guy I'm most concerned about is probably, and this, you know, is more true now, and I maybe wouldn't have picked him before the injury tonight, but Eloy Jimenez. I definitely had some questions about his ability to live up to his lofty draft status just because he is so dependent on being an outlier in BABIP and home run to fly ball rate. Um because he strikes out too much, because he hits the ball on the ground a relatively high amount, not quite a 2019 era Cosmer level, but maybe a post-August 2020 era Cosmer level. So um, there's just a chance he's like a 275 hitter with 28 homers, and that's good, but 
Like he could be Michael Conforto, who's a lot cheaper. Chris, the starting pitcher that you find yourself drafting most, I think I can guess this one. I'm going to take a shot. Is that all right? Uh, yes, there, there are three answers that would be correct. Well, one of them has to be Ian Anderson. That is the first one. The other one is Zach Greinke? No. Ooh, Max Scherzer? Uh, Max Scherzer also no. I have Scherzer and Greinke four times out of 15. Oh. All right, well, then I give up. (laughs) Ramon Marquez and Sandy Alcantara. Okay, yeah, well, all the Marlins, duh. I mean, only one, plus a brand. (laughs) Uh, No, he, yeah, Anderson, he's the one I reach on. I take him 82nd on average compared to a 103 ADP. Uh, Marquez and Alcantara are both, you know, in the hundreds. Alcantara is 111, 118 by my picks, 173 for Herman Marquez. Alcantara is a little higher than ADP, but he seems to get, be getting pushed up to that place anyway. And um, I think in Marquez and Alcantara's cases, I just think they're solid, reliable innings eaters that I'm not going to have to worry too much about. Marquez, obviously, I can sit him on the road or at home uh, if I don't feel good about it, but. Yeah, those three guys, totally unsexy picks. No, I'm with you with the unsexy picks because I was surprised to see this myself when I looked up my player shares, and Zach Wheeler is the starting pitcher that I draft most. I have a lot of Wheeler, too, yeah. And a lot I, of Wheeler. I didn't think we were going to get to this point, but you know, just a couple of years ago, he felt injury-prone. Now, all of a sudden, he's someone that we d- depend on for innings and, and, and volume and you know, look at what he did last year. He went at least five and two thirds in all 11 of his starts. He went six plus in eight out of 11 starts last year. He even, he went seven, one, two, three, four, five times, seven innings for Zach Wheeler last season. So I do think the strikeouts are going to bounce back. I know some people might look at the strikeouts and the K per nine was below seven. That's gross. I mean, I can't defend that, but his swinging strike rate was actually better last year than it's ever been. So maybe he's not a strikeout per inning, but 8Ks per nine, a Kyle Hendricks type. He's going, I think, a little bit later than Kyle Hendricks. Sure, give me all the Zach Wheeler. Scott, who you got? Well, I I thought about mentioning him. Obviously, there's a lot of pitchers I'm heavily invested in. Kenta Maeda, Shane Bieber, for that matter. (laughs) If I'm picking between five and nine, I'm getting Shane Bieber, most likely. Um, But I guess the one I'll highlight here is Dylan Bundy. Because I originally had him as a bust, but then it seemed like Everybody else wanted him less than I did, so I just started drafting him as my fifth starter a lot, and now I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm okay with it because, you know, his his home run rate got cut in half moving from the most hitter-friendly, the, lead, the, the division with the most hitter-friendly venues to the division with the most pitcher-friendly venues. It got cut in half. And, you know, maybe it won't be that low again this year, but you'd look at the XFIP, which measures fly ball rate as opposed to home run rate, and it was still 375-ish. You know, it's not like it was it's not like it was a scary XFIP for Bundy. I expect him to pitch deep into games. You know he's gonna have more than a strikeout per inning. Uh, I, I wouldn't want him as my number three, but as my number five, that sounds like that sounds like a guy who's just gonna bolster the rest the, the already strong staff you've put together and will be ready to slot in as your number four or number three if uh, if injuries set in because you know obviously still most of his starts this year are going to come in the al west those big parks there including his own home park chris you're right there you having some lighting issues (laughs) it just (laughs) keeps turning off but it's (laughs) i imagine your cat is just up there like turning it off nothing's near it that's what's weird it's a light that you turn on just by touching uh and then i move away and nothing's touching it and it'll probably turn off fairly soon so uh Sorry, those are got distracted there. I heard nothing of what Scott said because of the ghost turning my light off. (laughs) He likes Dylan Bundy. That would be the opening day starter for the Los Angeles Angels. I wrote a song about that. That's in the song. (laughs) Scott, the starting pitcher that you are scared of most. Uh, Well, I mean, I would have said Denelson Lamed if we did this a week ago, but he's kind of fallen to a point that I'm okay with it. I'm probably going to say Sonny Gray. I can't see myself investing in Sonny Gray. I just think, I think it's a mid-range outcome is the hopeful outcome for him this year. If if this back issue still hasn't gone away, dating back to last season, and obviously there's more downside from there. I would have said Max Scherzer, but I'm a fraud, and I got him on one of my teams over the weekend. So uh, the other one there that. 
going inside those top two to three rounds for me that I'm scared of is is Walker Bueller. So nothing about the talent of Walker Bueller. No, I'm not worried about him giving up nine earned runs in a spring training game. But between the blisters last year, the fact that we do have workload concerns, the Dodgers have a lot of depth, and they need Walker Bueller for the postseason. They don't. They kind of care about the regular season, but they care about the postseason. They want to go out and they want to win World Series. So I think Bueller can give you. 170, maybe 160 innings that are probably really good, but you know, there's not much margin for error there when it comes to Walker. Yeah, I don't know Bueller. why I didn't say him. That was, that was my take first, Frank. You <laughs> yeah. stole my take. Yeah, I mean, stole my Walker what, Bueller take. What have you called it? The the homogenization of our rankings? We're, we're all just coming together. We're blending. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, true. And the mind except melt the, is happening. For the, except for the guys I like. Yeah, I mean, well... <laughs> When Scott, you know, boasts about Cabrian Hayes for six months straight, of course I got to draft him, right? Like, you know, Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you into moving Byron Buxton inside your top 300 yet. <laughs> 300. Maybe, maybe, uh, Chris, give us the starting pitcher that you're scared of most. We didn't mention Steven Strasburg early in the show, right? No, no. Uh, I think it's kind of gotta be him tonight. Uh, and maybe this is just an overreaction, but he made his first start since uh, suffering that calf injury and walked five batters and struck out one and gave up four and runs. And he said it was, oh, my mechanics were bad and I was flying open and that's why uh, I was pitching poorly, which is not really what you want to hear in the penultimate start before opening day. But the more concerning thing, I think, would be that after the game, he revealed that he ruptured the plantaris tendon in his calf. Apparently that is worse than it sounds. I'm reading the MLB.com uh, story, which sounds alarming, but luckily for the Nats, it was not the case. Quote, I guess you don't really need it, Strasburg said. It was just one of those lucky things where it went away and it wasn't a big issue. The doctor was pretty adamant about it, saying you don't really need it. Apparently he also went on to say that if we walked on all four legs, on all four uh, limbs, it would be an issue. So it sounds like it's like a vestigial uh <laughs> tendon that doesn't really have much function in human development at this point. Medical students uh, in their first year often mistake it for a nerve when they're looking inside of the, the leg. I've learned all these fun facts. Um, you, didn't even, you didn't even consult Dr. Jesse Morse on this. All of that would make me feel better if he hadn't just had the start that he had. And look, maybe it's nothing. It's one spring start. Guys are working on things. He'll fix his mechanics, but like I can't feel good about him after watching that. Um, I, I sort of like just panic dropped him in my rankings and then realized like I over, like I dropped him to 27 behind Charlie Morton. That was probably an overreaction, but I kind of just want to move him to a point where I'm not, not interested in taking him. And so maybe that would be like 23rd behind Kyle Hendricks. That would be in the 95 range. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like a, a a total hypocrite because I think like three <laughs> days ago I was talking about how I wouldn't be that worried about Steven Strasburg. He doesn't have a history of lower body injuries and this yeah. sounds like a non-issue. So I, I, I will point out that a lot of really good pitchers had a really bad start last time out. Ian Kennedy struck out only one. Walker Bueller allowed four home runs. Trevor Bauer allowed four home runs. Wait, how, how did Ian Kennedy get in there? He struck out one. Yeah, I think you mean someone oh, else. Oh, I'm sorry. Ian Anderson. <laughs> I was like, wait a Ian second. Ian Anderson. My bad. What? I was like, one strikeout for Ian That's Kennedy? A, that sounds like a pretty good outing. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, we're not used to going this late at night, so it's, we're, we're a little wonky right now. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. Like, my, I feel like I should drop him, but I don't know. I'm waffling on it. I'm do it, man. They're your rankings. Be aggressive. <laughs> Just in front of Tyler Glass now, so he's going to be 80th overall. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's pair the relief pitchers together. Sure, you could just say that you're scared of all of them if you want to, but come on, what's the fun in that? Scott, give me the relief pitcher you are drafting most and the one that you are scared of. I could say Will Smith, but I think it's technically Amir Garrett. They're kind of my... Hope for my first reliever and my second reliever there. I've talked about them a lot. The reliever I'm most scared of is Craig Kimbrell. Hopefully his last couple outings shows he's fixed the delivery issue, but um, I'm skeptical. Skeptical. Fair enough. Chris, the relief pitcher you draft most and the one that you're scared of. It appears the relief pitcher I draft most is Emmanuel Classe. 
uh, with a Chris Towers ADP of 300th overall. So that tells you about my approach to relief pitcher. You can read more about that on cbssports.com today. I wrote my grand unified theory of drafting in 2021 and uh, avoiding relief pitcher as part of that. Um, and yeah, which relief pitcher I'm most afraid of? I don't know. James Karinchak, I guess, if I can't say all of them. If, if, man, there's a lot though. Like Trevor Rosenthal threw like, what, 16 innings last season. Devin Williams threw like 20. Uh, Rafael Montero wasn't throwing his slider for most of the, There's a lot of people to be scared of at relief pitcher. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I don't really draft them. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, when I'm drafting a second or third closer, it's been Daniel Bard, who's already been named the Rockies closer. I know it's kind of scary to draft any pitcher that that pitches in Coors Field, but he was really good last year. He was out of baseball for, I don't know, seven or eight years, and he just came back, and he was great. So I think he's going to be the guy for the Rockies. I feel pretty confident there. And Brad Hand is the one that, you know, usually I shy away from, and I know his velocity has been up in the spring, but he has allowed runs in five of his six spring appearances, and uh, including on Wednesday night. Um, so I, I was reading about him earlier. The Nationals want to get at least one more relief appearance in for him before opening day where he actually looks good. So I think a capable backup there in Tanner Rainey. Just follow that situation. Brad Hand is someone I am a little bit worried about myself. There you go, everyone that we are drafting and we are scared of. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow with Adam Azer. Bye-bye. 